The last time I got really angry was probably today because my dad, I just like kind of felt like he wasn't treating me as fairly um, compared to my brother. I started to get a little hot and my thoughts went really fast. So I stomped off and um, I yelled and I wouldn't come down from my room. I like to yell and scream and take it out on another person. I get angry the most at my brother. I push him and I kick him. I have sometimes felt like pushing my friends at school, but I don't do it because I know it's not like the right thing to do. Usually when we're in a, I'm in a fight with somebody, I do feel it escalating. The other person tends to make up more lies and then you tend to make up lies. Sometimes when I um, get really angry with myself, I do sometimes like to make other people mad because then I feel like it's not just me. I um, am making a mistake there because the person didn't do anything wrong. So then I get even more mad at myself. Wow. Uh, You've just been listening to an 11-year-old girl's experience of anger. And you're listening now to Dear Anxiety, which is a show about mental health and how we deal with it. I'm Ed Krasnick, and my co-host, Rini Jane, is coming right up. She's the expert on the program, so we can't wait to have her. But a child's view of anger. I can't think of a bigger topic in this world, in our society, than anger. So big that we've actually done a second show on anger. This is Anger Part 2. This time it's personal. And uh, we're going to focus on skills that you can teach your kids and how parents can talk about anger and how parents can deal with their own anger. Anger, our show is for people of all ages, whether you're a parent or a teen, married or single. We all need practice. Uh, my partner is a leading expert in resilience, anxiety relief, the founder of GoZen, which teaches resilience and happiness skills to kids, parents, and schools. She has a master's degree in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania, Rini Jane. And Rini, welcome to Anger Palooza. Um, <laughs> now, now you, you've got something going. Uh, how, do you, how do you experience anger? How do you deal with it? How do you discuss it? in your work with parents and kids? I know that's a multi-part question, but... So first of all, I want to say that I'm angry at you today, Ed, because I (laughs) (laughs) like to get into the emotional space of these recordings, and it cannot be angry when you're making me laugh. Stop making me laugh. (laughs) Okay, get the anger going, get it flowing. (laughs) Um, Yes, anger. You know, I I reflect back on my life and I think I'm not I wasn't really I didn't experience a ton of anger. Definitely chronic worry, some depression, and then I had kids. <laughs> and I love my kids with all my heart. You know, every, every piece of me loves every piece of them or, or most pieces of them. And uh I get angry. I get angry and I get frustrated and I get triggered and I'm like, whoa, there is anger rearing its head. And I'm not going to call it ugly. I'm just going to call it anger. I am ready to talk about anger. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah, it's a, it's a big thing, uh, you know, certainly in the culture now. And I think it's, it's really a misunderstood emotion. There's, there's you shouldn't have it. There's, there's something wrong with you when you are feeling it. And it's always out of control, and it's not sending a message. It has no purpose in life. 
And so those are those are misunderstandings. I think um, is that is that right? Yeah, definitely. I think that we think it's an evil emotion, you know. And I think we probably touched on this before, but we demonize it. Oh my goodness, you're angry. Well, go become unangry in the corner in your in your timeout situation over there, and then come back when you have civil feelings. And what we really, really need to remember is that feelings are important and they are all okay. I know that sounds a little Mr. Rogers-esque. I am not saying that behaviors are all okay. So it's not okay to be aggressive, to kick, hit, you know, and show aggression towards others or ourselves. But it's definitely okay to be angry. It's a feeling that has purpose. Every single feeling we have has purpose. They're messengers. They're communicating to us. They're sending us texts. They're like, hey, it's anger. Yeah. Listen, I have something to say to you. Yeah. Answer your phone. Um, yeah. Answer the messages or relate to them. You know, listen. And then we're going to talk about some skills that because that's really what it is. It, it, it's that. Everybody experiences it, but not a lot of people are conscious of it and make choices about how they're going to handle it, how they're going to deal with it. And that's, uh, you know, all of us, we, you know, it doesn't matter how, how evolved you are, you still have these feelings and you still have to make choices about what you do with them, how you express them and how you respond to other people. You know, this is kind of hard to do. Obviously, we're doing it in two episodes, one where we were talking about the parents and now we're talking about kids and what they can do. But obviously, it's dynamic. We're feeding off one another. It requires both parties to take part in the skills. But um, so we're going to give some skills. But just as you know, and becomes very intuitive, it's necessary to do it kind of as a whole family experience. But you would see a complete shift in a family if both the parents or the caretakers and the kids practice the skills. And that's what we're going to talk about. What can you do today? What can you do in this moment? What can you do short term and what can you do long term? And uh, we're going to role play uh, in just a little bit. But is there is there a science? And you say there's a purpose behind anger. What what is the purpose? What what are the purposes of of what what it's saying to you? Yeah, what does anger do for us? You know, if you think about the last time you got angry, and we chatted about this on a previous podcast when we were talking about anger, think about the last time you got angry, right? Like what happened? And so I'm thinking about the last time that I got angry and I was sitting in LA traffic <laughs> for much longer than anticipated. <laughs> I was like clenching my fists and you know, it was probably hysterical watching me from a window because you could you could lip read the swear words that I was saying. And so I, you know, you always ask yourself when you get angry, what is it that I'm trying to protect? What is the thing that I am trying to protect? For me, it's it was my valuable time. But often we get angry because we are trying to protect our integrity, self-respect, honor, justice. It's a form of protection and the protection has been is being infringed upon. And so, you know, from a very basic level, if someone physically attacks you, let's say, and you fight back, right, your anger might kick in as a form of protection. That's a really obvious form of protection. But you might get angry if you're a child and your parents don't seem to be listening to you or your friends aren't listening to you. And then that makes you angry. And what are you protecting? Well, 
respect for the words that you're saying, value for yourself. Yeah, I and I I think you know for me, uh, a lot of the time it's it's based on fear. Uh, I'm afraid of something, and I'm afraid that I can't handle something, or something's not happening that I need to have happen, and I get panicky about it. I get scared, and then when I feel boxed into a corner, and again. I'm the one who's doing the boxing into the corner. It's not really, I mean, there are circumstances, but mainly it's what I'm thinking about the circumstances and the situation. And then when I feel like I have no escape, then I I blow. So at any rate, we need skills and um, we need to understand and we need to practice how to deal with these things. So how do we practice? Um, Essentially on the show, we role play. We, we play it out. Um, so let's do some role playing. How about, um, you know, I don't want to go to bed. Sweet. I'm a kid and I woke up or I don't want to go back to sleep or I don't, I don't want to go to sleep. Yep. Okay. okay. Let's do it. Let's get ready to role play. Round one. Mom, mom I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm Are you fine. up? I'm, but I'm fine. I'm not guy. I don't need to go to bed. I'm fine. Babe, you have school tomorrow. It's pe- way past your bedtime. What are you doing? I thought my you were bedtime? Already- no, my bedtime is too early. Everybody in my school goes to bed at 1030 or 11 even. I, I have to go to bed at nine o'clock. Yeah, it's like, why am I 11 I years that, old? No, what am I doing? in this family, we sleep at nine o'clock. I get that other people do other things in this family. That's what we do. So I need you. I need you to get to bed. I don't want to, you're going to be so tired tomorrow. And then you know how you get when you're tired. No, it's my life. I'm doing, I'm doing what I, what I want to do. I'm fine. I can do this. It's It's, my room. It's my life. It's my, I need to go to bed at at least 10 o'clock at night. No one goes to bed at nine o'clock. But listen, your body is different. You get tired. Your body wants to go to bed at nine o'clock. It's time to go to bed so that that way you can have an amazing day tomorrow. It's time to go to bed. No. no. What do you mean? No. no. Listen, we're not going to no. argue about this. I'm not going to argue about everything. This is no. a non-negotiable in this house. Nine o'clock is bedtime. Get into bed. I can't force you to close your eyes, but I, I am asking you to get into bed now. I'm going into the living room. I am not going to bed. I'm going to keep, I'm playing my game. I'm happy. I'm fine. If you want to go to bed, you go to bed at nine o'clock. I'm not not, going to bed at nine o'clock. You have to go to bed right now in bed. Eddie, give me a yes. Get away from me. Really? We don't touch each other in this family. You don't wave your arms at me like that. I'm closing my door now. Get out. Stop yelling. Well, that didn't work. Okay, so that so now we're all familiar with that experience. <laughs> that is that is an all too familiar experience. Yes, it is. By the way, we, we giggle because we're <laughs> it's painfully close to home sometimes when you're doing something like that, right? No, it's one that I have, it's one that everybody, you know, a lot of I, I don't know everybody, but I'm sure a lot of people have that experience and I've had it many times. It's, it's, and I'm sure you have it with your family. Um, so my family is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, so what do you, what do you, what do you do? What kinds of skills can you use that can help you through a situation like that? We are going to teach Eddie to mind the gap. 
teaching kids to put a space between the thing that's triggering them and their reactions. This teaching cannot be done in the moment. So that would be like going to sit for a test, right? Going to take a test and then studying during the test. That's not going to happen. So you have to teach the skill outside of the moment. And I know that this might sound like something kids can't learn, but they can totally learn it. And the way that you could do that is you, you could literally just draw a picture if you wanted to. And one side of the picture is the kids standing um, and then maybe standing on top of a mountain where there's a valley and the valley indicates the gap. Um, so there's a trigger on the left side and then on the right side is the reaction. So the hitting and the screaming. So you can draw this image. And in that gap are all of the things that your child can do so that they don't react, right, in a way that they don't want to react. So we're going to teach Eddie how to mind the gap. Eddie was triggered by mom saying, go to sleep. And, you know, obviously to him, he's not being treated as his age. He's being treated like a baby. And then the reaction was yelling, getting mad, and then finally slamming doors and kind of like waving hands around. Minding the gap skills are the things that can calm you down in the, more, in the moment. I teach kids as a first mind the gap skill to notice and name their emotions because it's an active thing to do. What it means is, is that you notice what's going on with you. Like, I feel like screaming right now. And you name your physical reactions, the feelings that you're having, anything that's going on with you. So you're kind of narrating your experience. And so what this does in the narration is it activates your language centers. And when you're doing that, you're taking a lot of bandwidth away from your emotional brain that's taken over when you're yelling and screaming, you're in fight or flight mode. So if you start to talk about the experience, that can calm you down, that can help you mind the gap, create that space that we're looking for. So noticing and naming emotions is what I would like you to do, Ed. And this can be anything from you know, I feel really tight in my chest to what you feel like doing. So instead of actually doing it, you're narrating it. Is that clear? Yes. It's going to sound a little strange, but kids will do it. Round two. Hey, honey, why are you still up? It's way past bedtime. It's like an hour Mom. past bedtime. I thought you were sleeping. Mom, it's nine o'clock. It's nine o'clock. Yeah, nine o'clock. Bedtime, baby. It's too early. It's too early. Every kid in my school, their bedtime is at least 10. Most kids is 11. I'm, a, I'm 11 years old. I'm going to be 12. I can't go to bed at nine o'clock. It's too early. Listen, what other people do is not really our concern. Our concern is that in this family, we go to sleep early because you have a really early start. We don't live that close to school. And so then we have to drive in the morning and you, you get really tired and then you get really cranky and then you don't feel like doing your homework. And there's a whole ripple effect. You know that. No, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do it it's anymore. It's time I feel to like go I'm to not, bed. My chest is getting hot. I'm, I feel like I want to hit the wall. I feel like my chest is hurting me. I, I can't breathe. And I want to I want to scream. I just want to scream. I can't deal with this anymore. Mom, you never listen to me. And it's it's so it hurts me so much. Wow. I, I feel like there's nothing, there's nowhere for me to go. Like I can't talk to anybody here. Eddie, I am 
I'm actually so happy that you said that. And usually you just start screaming and we don't get anywhere. I've never heard you say that stuff before. Is that how you're really feeling? Yeah, it's like my my I I can't my breathing is bad. I can't I can't I can't even say anything. I get I get so hot and my everything speeds up on I get so everything so fast. Mm. I feel like I can't calm down and I don't want to I don't want to talk about it. Mm. Okay. Well, listen. This is not something that we need to talk about right now, but I'm so glad that you're talking about it with more words than you have been before. Because usually every time I say it's past bedtime, it's just screaming between us. And I don't want it to be like that. I mean, I'm feeling like you're feeling. So I'm glad that you did that. I'm glad that you're saying that. You know, I hope you can go to bed soon. And I would love to talk about this more unless you're ready to talk about it right now. Well, It's just I want to go to bed later, and I feel would feel better doing that. I mean, I just feel like I don't. We don't have to keep it the same, and I feel like I, you know, I, I want you to hear me. This is this is not something that every kid does. You know, most of the kids that I know just don't go to bed at this time, and I, I just want to. I want. I'm getting. I'm growing. I'm going to be twelve years old. I hear you, baby. I hear what you're saying. And see, I called you baby because you're always a baby to me. And maybe it is time that we looked at your bedtime. But I'm just telling you, it might not be the same time as when your friends are going to bed. We just have, we're a different family than those other families, you know, and some families do the same things and sometimes they do different things. But I'm willing to talk about it. We have a winner. Okay, so, so... There's a completely different conversation, completely different experience. Now, what you were saying before, Rini, is it's just, you know, when you're talking about minding the gap, you're talking about creating a space, it's some kind of a pause. It's anything that you can do that works for you to create a pause. Now, you could do it with taking a breath. You could do it with counting backwards. You could do it with getting some space. You could do it by saying, I have to, I have to stop for a minute. And I just, I just need a, I need a minute. I need a minute is a great sentence in life. We think that we have to be on everybody else's time and you don't. I need a minute is a wonderful thing. I need a minute. I I know some kids that will go and wash their hands. That's the way that they mind the gap. Um, I know some kids that will say a mantra, right? So they will say a, a particular word over and over and over and over again. And that and that chant sort of brings them down. But it takes practice. And what I found is that if you explicitly teach kids that they are able to cultivate that gap, they're able to create that gap, then they start to work toward it. Uh, my daughter, you know, has been learning. My daughter's a little bit older. She's She's 14 now. But um, last year or two, she's been learning how to snap her fingers and she has a, a, such a fascination with it that she's doing it all the time. And her fingers are red from <laughs> the fact that she's doing, she loves to snap her fingers. So we started to look at that as like, well, maybe that's something that you can do to give you a cue that you can change your thought. You can take a pause. You can calm yourself down. You can snap your fingers. They say that you know, it can only take 
four to five seconds, that's all you really need. That's all of the gap that you need in order to come back to a place where you're more rational and you're able to speak again. But yeah, all of those things can be minding the gap. If you come away with a line in your life and the line is, I need a minute, your whole life is going to change. Yeah, I think that here's the thing. I think it's so important. I think that when we talk about anger, this is the question that parents have most, right? Like, how do I get my child in the moment to calm down, essentially, like get out of their meltdown, their breakdown, their aggressive behavior? And minding the gap is super important. And I think it can have a ripple effect on your life like Ed is talking about. But I also think that if we only work on minding the gap and we only work on the short term, it's not really getting to the root of the problem. While you can definitely see behavioral changes, you want to work on something that's a little bit more long term and more sustainable so that there are less blow ups. And so we have something for that, too. Oh, and I and and this is something new. I well, you have face check, which is something that we talked about in the last episode on anger, and and you have a new one that is called Lala. <laughs> yes, it's called Lala. So listen, kids are always super shocked when we tell them that it's okay to be angry. They're like, "What? No, that's wrong. That's not what I've heard." Like, yes. Every single emotion has a purpose. So that's the starting point. And what we want to do with all of our feelings, but we're using anger as an example, is locate where we feel it in our body. So they did this super interesting study in Finland where they heat map different emotions in the body. And it turns out that anger is often felt in the arms, in the forearms, the wrists or the fists, in the legs and then in the throat and the chest. And the reason is fight or flight mode, right? So you're ready. Like when people say that they feel like clenching their fists or they feel like running, that is literally the neurochemicals like coursing through your body and putting you into fight or flight mode. You can actually feel where an emotion is in your body. So it's important to teach kids to locate where they feel their emotion in their body. The younger the child, the more intuitive this is to them. They're like, oh yeah, it's in my chest. Oh yeah, it's in my throat. You know, Some kids will say they feel a burning in their throat. There is a location of it. So LALA stands for locate and then accept. We tend to resist emotions that we don't think are, are good for us. So emotions like anger, frustration, negativity, sadness, these are things that we resist, right? And the saying is what you resist persists. And it's true. If you deny it or squash it or try to get rid of it or resist it, it's just going to persist and it's going to come up more within you, right? If you're stuffing down your anger, essentially, you're eventually going to blow up. So accepting that you're going through this and turning toward the emotion is really important. And it's really hard to do. Because a lot of times we just don't want to deal with it. We don't want to think about it. We want it to go away. We want to, quote unquote, feel better. So one thing that we need to get comfortable with is discomfort. And a lot of times we can change this idea that it's uncomfortable um, just by going through it over and over again. So for example, um, when I get angry, I do actually, because I've practiced this so much, I can really clearly feel a tightness in my chest and a burning in my throat. And burning throat doesn't sound, <laughs> sounds like something from a vampire movie. I've seen a lot of the burning throat movies and they're, I saw burning throat five and it wasn't as good as four. Anyway, 
So if you have a burning throat, it sounds like it's going to be uncomfortable. Well, the first few times you're literally turning in and, and locating and feeling where the anger is, it is uncomfortable. But then eventually, like anything, right, your body builds resistance to it. Your body just builds immunity to this experience. And it's not necessarily uncomfortable anymore. It's more of just a signature. Oh, yeah, I'm angry. There's that feeling. It's kind of like hunger. If you're, if you're hungry a lot, then you say, okay, I'm, I'm hungry and it's uncomfortable, but it's bearable, it's tolerable. So anyway, accepting requires going through the discomfort until it's really no longer discomfort. It's just kind of a, a telling signal to you. Okay, so then you're going to listen. Every emotion has a purpose. Its purpose is to send you some sort of communication. Why am I angry? What is the unmet need? What am I protecting? People often say, you know, in the psychological community, that anger is a secondary emotion. And so, what is underneath the emotion? Ed was talking about earlier that underneath his anger is often fear, right? So, what's going on underneath? So, listening to the emotion. So, for a kid, what does that mean? Will you help them? What is your anger saying? In the case where we were role playing, Eddie was trying to say, I don't, I think it's unjust that. All my friends get to do this and I don't. It's unfair. And I also don't think you're treating me like I want to be treated like an 11-year-old. And so there can be a lot of things like that going on. We have to listen to what the anger is saying. And writing this all down can be tremendously helpful, right? Locating, accepting, listening. And then once you listen to the message of your emotion, your angry emotion, then you can decide what action to take. And then that action becomes intentional, right? Whether that action be is, is talking to mom about it, talking to dad about it, whether that action is, you know what, I'm going to let it go and forgive and, and let it go and be okay with it. But at least the action is intentional. It's not a reaction. It's a thoughtful action. And as I go through these methods, you know, a lot of times I will teach workshops or I'll teach parenting classes. And people always say, wait, are you sure my eight-year-old can learn this? Are you sure my... Yes. In fact, they can probably learn it better than we can. Locating, again, is super intuitive to them. Listening, they love to hear that, that, that something has a message that it's trying to send them, that they, can, that they have a choice over their actions. So the answer is absolutely 100% yes. So you can practice all of these things. You can practice locating, accepting, listening, and action. And the difference between action and reaction is is very interesting because most of what goes on in media that we see that's promoted is reaction. Not a lot of it is is action, is making a choice about something and then taking some action. If you make anything conscious, you have a chance. You have a chance to make a new choice. Anything that's conscious. So this sounds like a lot of information. Uh, so how can a kid practice these kinds of things or how can a parent help a kid to practice these kinds of things? What's a simple way that they can help their kids? I think a simple way that parents can help their kids practice these things is the first thing is locating. And that can be done by really getting in touch with our bodies using simple mindfulness meditations. You know, so this is a practice that helps you get in touch with what's going on inside of you in the present moment and really get in touch with where things are at in your mind and your body. And there are tons of mindfulness meditations out there. We have a bunch on gozen.com. Um, you can find many, many, many on YouTube as well. But this is the first step, 
And again, it comes so naturally to little ones. They are naturally mindful. They come into the world mindful, right? So we talk about sometimes, have you ever tried to take a walk with like a little kid, you know, a two or three or four year old? It's literally impossible because they're, they're like licking the cracks or like sniffing a flower because they're in the moment. And so the simplest way is to start with some mindfulness meditations. And then you can graduate from there. And you can take these steps that we've given you and you can practice them. They don't have to be consecutive. You can practice them a little bit at a time when it makes sense um, and use drawing and use characters and use dolls and use what's age appropriate for your child. But I would suggest as a first step, getting in touch with the body and practicing mindfulness meditation. Breathing. You know, just breathing and getting in touch with, you know, how you breathe is, and that, and that is a mindfulness activity, but it can be really, it can be pretty simple as a, as a breath to get you in touch with how your, how your body's working. Um, so just to, just to, oh, and, and if people don't think that, you know, well, how can I use that in my, in my life? Uh, Rini, just tell them the, the story of, of your kids and how they've adopted uh, noticing and naming. <laughs> so my kids are four and five, and I am often practicing with them. My husband sometimes says, are they using them as guinea pigs? And I say, no, I'm practicing to see if these tools are practical. And so they have learned noticing and naming, and it's it's very cute. You know, I don't mean to call it cute because they're really practicing and they're doing it well. But when my four-year-old gets mad, he will say, my chest is really tight right now. You know, he'll say that to his sister. And I'm, and I'm clenching my fists right now. Um, but he's practicing and, and it brings him down from that ledge, which is what we are looking to do because he's using language instead of screaming and hitting and kicking and biting and what, you know, whatever happens at this age. Um, and so it can be taught and it can be learned from a really young age. Sometimes it falls apart. Sometimes I'm literally separating them, you know, and like holding them apart. Um, sometimes I lose it. So this is a work in progress for everyone. I know it's perfect in yeah. your house, Ed. It's absolutely perfect. No, there's no, yeah, no, none of this happens to me because I'm, I'm an android. Um, <laughs> and I know your yeah. favorite mind, the gap skill is breathing, I'm guessing. Yeah, it is. It is. I like I like breathing. I also like I don't know if this is a mind gap. It kind of is. Is this zooming out thing where you're getting perspective by taking a bigger view of where you are in the world? Can you describe that for a second? Just to talk about what that is. Yeah. Zooming out is, you know, you see it all the time. You will you'll read a story about someone that's overcome something unfathomable. And then you say to yourself, wow, that's really giving me some perspective. Or you'll hear a story about a friend that's going through an incredible challenge. And you think, wow, you know, I feel compassionate for that person. And I also realize how lucky I am. And so zooming out is really keeping it in perspective immediately in the moment. In our Anger Transformed class, um, a class that I did with Dr. Shefali Sabari, we have some zoom out cards that you can keep nearby. And it has a bunch of fun facts from, you know, space and the world and under the sea and fascinating things, things that just like blow your mind that help you zoom out and keep it in perspective in the moment. Because sometimes that's so hard. And that's what makes it so intense is that you're zoomed in and you don't see the perspective of the world. You don't. So to think about something enormous 
immediately is great. You look at a picture of the Grand Canyon and you're like, okay, the Grand Canyon is out there. So maybe this isn't as big as that. You know, we need these physical things that we can do to remind us. Yeah. And for, you know, for everyone, it can be different. And for some kids, they're, they get turned off by the breathe. Don't tell me to breathe. It's not going to do anything. And I would say if your child's resisting it, then don't force it. There are a lot of other, so you can snap. There are a lot of other avenues to minding the gap. I think the biggest thing is that there's an awareness that there is a gap. That's step one. Um, now, before we wrap up here, I, can we tell them um, where, because we want to hear from you. We want you to send in your life experiences and record that you can record them on your phone and just send in an audio recording. You can write a note. You can send an email. You can draw a picture. You can have your, your kid draw a picture. We want to hear from you, and we want to we wanna have you shout out to us, and we want to we wanna read and, and play your experiences so that, we can, so that we can really help more and more people. Uh, where do they send that kind of stuff? Well, we have a place for them gozen.com forward slash dear anxiety. So you go to gozen.com forward slash dear anxiety, and you can send us your submissions. We would love to play audios from you, from your children. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, and, and gozen.com is a, is a great, it is a great place to go. And that's how Rini and I became friends. Uh, I was looking you know, I was looking about anxiety for myself, for my daughter, and I found all these incredible animations that that taught these resilient skills and that played out through characters, uh, different different life experiences and life skills that, that are so useful. So Gozen has many, many, many tools that you can use. And also this, this anger transformation uh, workshop that Rini and, and Shafali did is fantastic. Where can they find that? That is tremendous too. You can go to gozen.com forward slash anger and find the course there. Okay. So, you know, we will have, uh, we have a number of other shows. We've had a number of different topics that we've covered. We're going to cover topics like body image, like teen troubles, like negative thinking. So keep tuning in to Dear Anxiety. Uh, and we always, uh, we end every episode with, we started with an 11-year-old girl talking about anger. And uh, what, what do we have uh, queued up for them, Rini? Now we have a child who is going to give that first one some advice. Thanks for listening. Uh, keep coming back. It works if you work it. Thanks, everyone. Everybody gets mad sometimes. It's okay. It doesn't help to hit people or scream at people. A better way is to take a deep breath, sometimes walk away, and then come back when you're calm. And you can say what you really mean. That's what I try to do. Sometimes it's hard, but you can always try. That's it.